ushering in a business model that's becoming more and more popular, which is essentially IoT or hardware plus software on the back end, following the pattern that others have followed, which is, again, get the hardware out there. The only focus is get as much distribution and market share as possible, drive hardware expenses down, and then on the back end, make your higher margin revenue on the software. He's got eight paid accounts to date, doing a couple thousand bucks per month in revenue, charges five grand up front for basically a year of, uh, of the software for a grand and 4K for the software, hopes to flip that. Oh, sorry, 4K for the hardware. Hopes to flip that over the next 12 to 18 months. They uh, founded in 2014, team of 20 people between California and remote locations. Again, helping the grain industry decrease spoilage by anywhere from 30 to 50%. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Naeem Zafari. He's a professor of the of uh, the practice at Brown University and teaches at the University of California, Berkeley as well. He's a serial entrepreneur and the founder and CEO today of a company called Telesense, an ag tech startup company. His last startup, Bitzer Mobile, was acquired by Oracle. Naeem has authored five books on entrepreneurship at naeemzafar.com. Naeem, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, indeed. Good All to right. meet you. You bet. So you go from selling basically software to Oracle to an IoT solution for post-harvest grain spoilage. How on earth do you make that leap? Well, it's all about timing. So this is my seventh startup. So if I learned anything, your timing has to be right. doesn't matter. You have the right team, right idea. doesn't work. We invented the fingerprint sensor chip in 1998. We had it built into the laptop in 1990 early. So today, that technology and my team work for Apple is in all iPhones. So when I sold the company, Bitser Mobile, I looked what's hot, what's going to be changed the world, and IoT was it. It took me three years to find out the right use case in IoT, Internet of Things, and grain seemed to be the right place with a very easy competitive landscape. It's all about the use case. So I was able to capitalize on that. And what, I mean... Help me understand what you saw about this. It sounds like you have a very unique process for identifying markets and going into them at the right timing with the right product. D- dive me deeper in that in that kind of search. How did you do that? So you have to be, you know, this is again comes from being aware, reading a lot of stuff, seeing what people are investing. So as you can tell today, if you're trying to build a social network, you're about 20 years too late. So it's not going to work. So what is the next big thing? Internet interrupted every single industry 25 years ago or 20 years ago. So IoT, machines talking to machines, simplifying our lives, automating the thing, saving the labor cost is the next big thing. It'll be huge in the next 10 years. The key is to finding a use case. IoT is all about a use case, and especially a use case when the software can have a bigger impact. AI, predictive analytics, if you can play on that. And even in IoT, it took me three years to find out the right use case. I was in cold chain. Yes, software has an impact, but not as big as the grain. Grain is a worldwide industry. Everybody needs it. And it's almost recession-proof. If you can make a small dent in people's bottom line, people want you. How many, or what is the total grain market when you summed it up in the the entire world? Well, grain market is actually a trillion, but the grain spoiled, the spoilage in grain every year is $14 billion a year. And it ranges anywhere from 1% or 2% in Canada as much as 22% in Africa, 12% in uh, Latin America. So if you have humidity and hot environment with bad infrastructure, you need a product because this is when spoilage happens. 14 billion or trillion in spoilage? 
billion. 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 And yeah. and based off the installs you already have, uh, for call it more than maybe a year or two, so a good cohort size, what are you able to decrease spoilage by percentage-wise for any given producer? 30 to 50%. And this, is, again, will get better as more predictive analytics, more AI gets into the product. Interesting. So assuming you get 100% market penetration, obviously a big assumption, uh, you feel like you can essentially save, you know, anywhere between call it four and, you know, s- you know $7 billion. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What's your dive? I want to dive more into the market because I love how you've taken your background, which is software and all kinds of things and found this market to go after. But I want to understand first pricing model. Are you subsidizing the hardware and there's a software component on the back end? I mean, what's the pricing model look like? That's exactly right. We want to basically be able to give away hardware for free. And it's all about subscription and, 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 and monetizing that. So right now, we do charge for hardware. Uh, at least we don't want to lose money on hardware. But as we bring the price point down, which we think we can do that by 5x in the next two years, then you pretty much will give away the hardware for free. and The hardware price up. point down? Yeah, by 5x. We have a very aggressive plan over the next 18 to 24 months to bring the cost. See, today, if you want to, if you have vertical silos, you have cables hanging. Okay. Which can tell the temperature inside. They cost anywhere from ten to thirty thousand dollars per bin. Only about twenty to thirty percent of the facilities in the world has anything like this. Rest down. You have a ground pile. You have a open silo. There's nothing monitoring it. It's a prayer that moisture doesn't get in, mold doesn't start. So what we are able to do is we have a ball. Okay. Size of a softball. You can toss a couple of these balls in there. They have multiple sensors. They wake up every few hours and they transmit the data, they go back to sleep. So now you're seeing on your phone, hey, something is going on my silo number 16. Well, hold on, hold on, before you go there, so what's the cost relative to the ten dollars to $30,000 cables? So today the cost is anywhere from three to $5,000. Per ball? And no, no, this is three to 5,000 is a system with like 10 to 20 balls, a gateway, all that stuff. So today is one third the cost of alternatives. And my goal is to bring it, hardware even down free, then it's all going to be subscription. Question is, you have to deliver something about one-fourth to one-fifth the alternative cost in a way that people can use it. The cables do not work in a silo bag. Where do you come up with, sorry, where do you come up with that one-fourth number? Is that just, that's to get over switching costs? You have to be at least four times better? You have to be at least four times better. I want to get 10 to two years. But in two two years, if we can get to be a 10x cheaper solution, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Okay. And so that's where I want to get to. My goal is to get to 10, 10x cheaper than alternative, and the market is mine. And I'm t- tell me more about so your twenty thousand sorry your five thousand dollar solution. You said is twenty balls and some and software. How many silos does that cover? Well, it depends on. Uh, it could be one or it could be five, depending on how much how many data points do you need. So, People come in, uh, storage comes in different locations. Sometimes you have ground piles. Sometimes you have a tube which you fill it in. Sometimes you have a uh, horizontal storage. Sometimes you have vertical storage. Sometimes you put it on a barge or a ship or a truck. So there's so many different physical variations. You need something which is robust, something which can have a battery life. You want something which is uh, idiot-proof. You can touch it with bulldozer, you can hit it with a hammer, and it still works. And there are constraints about uh, 
explosion proof, ATEX proof. You want to be able to tolerate phosphine and other fumigants, which are used to uh, fumigate the grain. So there are a bunch of constraints which we have learned over the last year. So my point here is you've got to go deep into an industry. You've got to talk to people to understand the problem first. The biggest mistake entrepreneurs make, they jump on a solution without fully understanding the problem. So if any advice I can give them, this is my advice. You study the problem. Whatever you think you know is wrong. Mm -hmm. You want to take $5,000 for 20 balls and decrease that to what over the next 12 to 18 months? Well, I I want to decrease my hardware cost to be $1,000, but I want to not sell it for $1,000. I want to sell a solution with software subscription still for, instead of people spending $20,000, $30,000, I want to sell a solution which could be $500 a year. What, what do you, so I, I, this is what I want to break down, right? Is I want to understand the split between hardware and software as it stands today. Tell me if yeah. I'm wrong today. If I, if I'm a farmer or a producer, I sign up with you, I'm going to spend five grand or write a five grand check right away. And yeah. that's going to get me 20 balls. And yeah. that's enough to cover kind of my thing. What am I paying from a software perspective? Today you're paying about a thousand dollars a year and on a subscription basis and 4,000 for the hardware. Where oh, I, I want to get to in about two years, the thousand dollars for the hardware and four thousand for the subscription. I see. So, so your price won't change, but your margin structure will go from whatever it is now thirty percent because of hardware expense up to eighty or ninety percent, more like software. Exactly. That's great. I love that. Okay, um, and put this on a timeline for me. When did you launch the company? What year? We launched the company in the in the twenty fourteen, but twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen, two years we studied the market, different use cases trying to figure out where is the soft spot. Because you got to find the soft spot in the market when competition is distracted. Yeah, I call that the underbelly of the beast. Because big companies have to rig the game for they can win. You have to find the underbelly of the beast and you got to attack it here. Yep. So 2013, you study the market, you study the market. Sorry, 2014, you study the market, you study the market. Um, have you bootstrapped the company or have you raised? No, we bootstrap. I mean, we I raised a small round of uh, uh, 800k, but 600 of 800 was my own money. So, <laughs> so yeah, I got a bootstrap. So total, uh, total. Just to be clear, total money in the company today is 800, 600 is yours. Yeah, in, in 2014. Okay. In 2014, then I bootstrapped it by using interns, people with visa problems, anybody bored getting divorced at home, and all the bootstrappy things you do uh, to find the right use case. And we find the right use case in cold chain. We looked at dangerous uh, confined spaces. We built a wireless solution for dangerous gases, but we're still looking for the ideal use case. So then I raised a you know, little bit, couple hundred thousand extra from a, on a convertible note in 2016. And finally, I was able to find the use case in grain where I found the competitive landscape was very favorable. Problem was big and global worldwide. The business model worked. And uh, it was fragmented. And then that allowed me to build a story. And that allowed me to raise six and a half million dollars. And not just the money, but look at the investors. We got the world's largest transportation company, Maersk. We got the world's largest grain broker, McDonald's. Why is the, tra- why is the transportation company important? Because grain has to be transported. They trans- they're, the largest, they're the largest transporter of grain? The largest transport of anything, $65 billion company transporting everything in containers. So grain is only one of the many things they do. So this problem could be really bigger. And then you have the world's largest agriculture bank, Rabobank, so, plus the financial VCs. So once you had the story right, then people want to pile on. 
Yep. No, I understand. Uh, good. So you've got about, it sounds like about seven and a half million, eight million total in the company to date. Yeah. That's good. And walk me through customers. So how many producers or manufacturers are you working with today? So today we are in different stages of engagement, about 15. Okay. How many closed though? Have any, are you, are you still pre-revenue? No, no, we have closed two. Okay. I think we have revenue from seven or eight, but because I always do paid pilots, I don't do free pilots. Yep. Because I want skin in the game from both sides. So if you look at that way, I probably has 10 of them are paid. Other ones are in negotiation. Yep. So there are different stages of engagement, but I'm actually trying to drive in the first gear. I think it's again, mistake entrepreneurs make. They get too excited, a lot of traction, they speed up, they burn the money and they disappoint people. So I'm slow walking many of them till I get the product right and iterate with the first two or three. And so it's very important how you drive. I call it driving in the first gear before you shift up. Um, the eight customers you've closed, assuming they follow the revenue model you've articulated, 5,000 bucks, 4,000 so- uh, hardware, 1,000 software. That means you've done about 40,000 in sales and you're doing right now about 700 bucks a month in revenue uh, on, on the software side? Yeah, a little more than that because a lot of these were uh, pilots. So there was upfront money upfront because labor plus you know opportunity costs. So a little more than that. Sure, yeah. but just just your SaaS revenue today, ignore the hardware stuff. What are you doing yeah. per month or per year? Yeah, just, like you said, it's, it's, it's like a couple thousand dollars a month based on these interactions uh, because some of them, are, most of them are large companies with multiple locations. But 2019 is to validate the value proposition, have five to 10 customers who said, yeah, this stuff is good. So a time will come to optimize on MRR, ARR. Right now, the focus in make the hardware idiot proof and really robust, get the cost out of it and prove the value proposition. Then we'll worry about SaaS metrics. How do you drive the cost down from 4,000 for 20 balls down to 1,000 for 20 balls? So it's all about the kind of components we use. Right now, we're using pre-made, pre-certified modules. Those are expensive. So a radio module communicating on a certain frequency could be $100. If you design your own ch- uh, own module, when you don't buy the module, you you buy the chips. You Right now, you, you go from $100 to a $10 version. Then you make some other optimization, which I don't want to talk about, which can get you down to even below that. Mm-hmm. And is this, I mean, is this really just supply chain and materials engineering? No, it has some, some unique stuff to cook. How do you integrate different sensors? How do you extrapolate and sense different things? It's a very complex problem. It's, it, it's a radio freak RF design, little magic analog design. How do you communicate through a bunch of grain? What are the parameters which can block the signal? It's like flying drones. If you don't have good signal with a drone, drone crashes. So, you know, you need to continue. So there are a bunch of complications which are RF related <coughs> and, and fumigant related. How to make it? Because phosphine is the fumigant which eats copper. So if you have copper in your design, it's going to be rotted. So you have a bunch of other complications we have overcome. That's interesting. Um, what's your team size today? How many people? 20. And how many of them are engineers? Uh, probably 12. 12. So a guy like you, you've been been around the block. Like we can probably learn from you here. When you go out and raise the six and a half million bucks, you're thinking, okay, this is going to buy me how many months of runway? Two years. 
to, okay, so you're raising for two years, basically. And at that point, your hope is about, you know, 16 months in, you would have put your costs down. Things look more efficient. SaaS revenues maybe picking up a little bit. And that's a different story you can tell. Then go out and raise your, your next round if you need to. That's right. So idea is to prove the value proposition, raise a big round in 2020. Then you scale. Yep. Uh, 20 people. Is everyone, everyone in uh, California? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, majority in California, we're just starting a, setting up a development team offshore. So there are three people in the offshore team right now. But uh, And then a sales guy in, in Midwest, because you got to have the salespeople in Midwest where the customers are. Mm-hmm. Um, fully weighted CAC, is that too early? Uh, it's too early because, you know, this is still lumpy. I'm, I'm, I'm the main sales guy right now, so CAC has to be computed more carefully. Has anyone bought the balls and the hardware and two or three months in said this isn't valuable, I, I don't want to use the software anymore? No, that's, that is the good news. Yeah, that is good news. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Naeem, let's, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Well, it's an old one. It's called The Execution. It's by uh, Larry Bossidy and Ram Charan. Larry Bossidy was the CEO of Allied Signal Honeywell. Mm-hmm. Great book. People don't talk about it. That's an excellent book. It tells you how to run a company. The Execution? It's called, no, not the, just Execution. Okay, got it. By the Honeywell CEO. Yeah, Larry Bossidy. Great. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I'm studying to see who makes sense. You know, problem is a part of Elon Musk is great. Part of <laughs> other people are great. There's no one which fits the mold. But it's, I think it doesn't have to be one person. It's an amalgamation of five people. Elon being one of them. Steve being one, Jobs being one of them. And Lynch, uh, you know, so there are a bunch. Th- it's an amalgamation. Yep. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Well, it has been LinkedIn until now, but I think Slack is uh, entering my life in a big way. LinkedIn and Slack. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? About six and a half. And what's your situation? Married, single, kids? Married, two kids, out of the house, still on payroll. (laughs) And how old are you, Naeem? I just turned 60. 60. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? It's not you, it's them, stupid. (laughs) Guys, it's not you, it's them, stupid. Again, ushering in a business model that's becoming more and more popular, which is essentially IoT or hardware plus software on the back end, following the pattern that others have followed, which is, again, get the hardware out there. The only focus is get as much distribution and market share as possible, drive hardware expenses down, and then on the back end, make your higher margin revenue on the software. He's got eight paid accounts to date, doing a couple thousand bucks per month in revenue, charges five grand up front for basically a year of, uh, of the software for a grand and 4k for the software hopes to flip that oh sorry 4k for the hardware hopes to flip that over the next 12 to 18 months they're uh, founded in 2014 team of 20 people between california and remote locations again helping the grain industry decrease spoilage by anywhere from 30 to 50 percent naeem thanks for taking us to the top thanks Nathan. good to see you